Thanks, Andre. Thank you, guys. And uh, it really is a blessing for us to be here as well. And uh, we feel honored to, to be part of what the Lord is doing in East London. Uh, like I said, it's a weird place. We moved here a year and a half ago. And it takes some getting used to, not in a bad way. It's just so interesting and uh, so much going on. You know, so much going on in the spirit, so much going on in the natural. And uh, it's just an amazing place, you know. So we are blessed to, to be here and to see what the Lord wants to do. All these promises that God's releasing over the city just excites me, you know. And um, I also just want to introduce you if, you, if you don't mind, just Vessel and Marley. Will you just stand just real quick? Because you're going to see him pray with me and his wife is there at the back. They're, they're part of our team and our, um, and our ministry. Um, Vessel had a good job. That paid, <laughs> and uh, then the Lord spoke to them to uh, to join us on this side, and I told him, "You're welcome, but we don't pay at all." <laughs> and they said, "We still want to come." Now that's the kind of people that obviously hearing God or is absolutely crazy. So they moved down here in December, and uh, on their way here, uh, their whole the, the truck that they moved in burned down in Grahamstown. So they literally lost everything in a day, you know, and um, that's a, a rough day, you know, to most people, uh, well, to them as well. But the amazing thing is how God just added to them and how that is part of a, a journey. And in it, that what was amazing to me is, is to see how their hearts were, were not moved by that regarding the call that they felt to you know, to this area. And I think that's like just a powerful testimony, not of them and of the grace of God, but how our life should be. You know, when uh, thing go, things go up in flames, the wrong kind, <laughs> not to give up, but to press through and to say, we're going to do this thing in any way. You know, we're, we're, we're still, this is still God. He didn't send the flames, those flames. It's not the ones we're looking for tonight. We're looking for the other ones, <laughs> Right. But, uh, but to be able to persevere and to believe that what God said to you is His Word, that, the, that He's going to be true on His promise. And He's still here. They're still eating. They've got a house full of furniture. And God's good. Amen. We're seeing people get born again in the trans sky. We're, we're, I don't even want to say we're learning the language, but we are trying. There's an attempt. I was in uh, Zimbabwe one day, and um, that was about four or five years ago. And... Uh, we traveled the whole day from Pretoria driving and finally got there. And, uh, you know, so, so I'm a little bit tired. Uh, I think we just had Emma. She was just born. So that was new, you know, our daughter. She's now five. And, um, you know, so you're not sleeping and all of that. So finally I get to Zimbabwe in Mutare, which is a, a wonderful place and an awesome friend of mine now. And uh, I get there and he's like, um, you know, and I thought I'm going to rest, wherever rest might be. We don't really care as long as we can lie down. And they're like, no, no, we just want you to quickly come over to the tent. There's a tent of people waiting for you. I'm like, you know, this is early days. I'm like, uh, okay, you know, here we go. Uh, I didn't really feel like it. Uh, I wasn't a great Christian. My attitude wasn't, you know, all full of joy and peace and patience and kindness. I, I was just, uh, yeah, I was an idiot. And... Um, Anyway, so we get there, and uh, at least I'm honest, right? But, um, so we get there, and uh, so these guys are worshiping. Oh, boy. 
and they are worshiping. Man, there is uh, one keyboard that is absolutely broken, and, and uh, I mean, I cannot sing. I'm jealous of people like Andre who can just, like the preachers who can sing. I'm one of those when I sang to my children. This is a true story, by the way. Emma was about two years old, and, and she was sitting in the bathtub, so I started singing to her. My wife is also a worship leader, so her whole family is very musical. So I started singing to Emma, and Emma looks at me, and she's like, Mommy, Mommy. <laughs> so I realized this is not my thing, right? Anyway, but even I could hear that that keyboard has problems, all right? You know, and that's fine. Anyway, so we, so, we, so we get in there, and boy, they are worshiping. And the next moment, there's so much dust. Uh, there's no, no famous songs that we know, you know, it, but it's awesome. I can feel God there. And uh, it's like the Lord starts just moving into the place, and, and the next minute, I didn't preach. I just said, hello, and how are you, and I'll see you tomorrow. Great attitude still. And, um, and then the next moment, people just start running forward. Nobody made an altar call. Nobody said anything. People just start running to me and to the team, and they just want prayer. They literally just start confessing. This one dude just runs from the back. He's like, man, you got to help me. I've got a problem with pornography. I'm so addicted. I'm like... That's different. All right. And, we, and just the one after the other just started coming. Isn't that awesome? Our God can just move beyond your attitude, which is good news most of the time. <laughs> we have to work on our attitudes, though. But what was awesome about that moment is that the next day, the same kind of thing started happening. And, and I, I, you know, they're singing in Shauna. I don't know Shauna. And uh, I'm just praying in tongues. And the next moment, I didn't realize it after the service, the guy comes next to me and he's like, man, do you realize that you are starting to give praise to God in Shona? I'm like, dude, I don't speak Shona. He's like, no, man, I heard you. That was Shona coming out of your mouth. You were praising God in Shona. I'm like, wow, that's a good deal. The point is I'm waiting for it with Koza, but it's not happening. Man, I'm trying. It's the biggest tongue twister. I, you know, I get the Q and the C right, but the X, it's still hard. But anyway... We're going to get there in Jesus' name. All right. It's so awesome about where's your, your brother. Because while I was praying for you um, the other night, I didn't want to say anything. Uh, and Andre started prophesying to me about angels on Thursday. So now, now it's out there. Um, but while I was praying for you, there's an angel that, we often see, that I often see when, when I minister. And I was praying for you, and I saw the angel with your brother. And usually when I see him, um, good stuff happens. So that was so encouraging for me as well to just see that, you know, because the angels of God are awesome. Uh, we, don't, we don't worship angels. We don't love angels above the Holy Spirit or Jesus or the Father. That would be stupidity. But to ignore them would be really dumb as well, right? And they are part of this package, you know. They are part of this thing called the kingdom of God. They are part of God's empowerment to us as man, right? Hebrews 1 verse 14. They are ministering spirits to us right? And sometimes people get stuck at the angels, which is really dumb, because, you know, if you le read Revelation, there's two or three places where John was so overwhelmed by the angel talking to him, because they are glorious beings. Then, I mean, they're in the presence of God. You understand? They're pretty amazing. And then John fell down, and he wanted to worship the angel, and every single time the angel would rebuke John and say, what's wrong with you, man? Get up. I'm one of you, like, just worship God, you know? So there's honor in the kingdom, 
you know, we don't have to be afraid of this stuff. We have to acknowledge that it's there, that it's part of our world. You know, that's what I always teach guys. Listen, your father's world, our father's world is awesome. It's filled with all kinds of wonderful things, pleasures forevermore at his right hand. Remember, I spoke about that last week. It's amazing what goes on. You know, if you read the Bible, there's angels, there's creatures with four faces. When you read Ezekiel, there's an angel that looks like a wheel within a wheel, and there's eyes all over the thing. There's weird stuff in heaven, and that's our Father's world. The only reason, I'm not going to talk about angels. The only reason why I'm saying this to you is, you know, we all want revival. We all want a move of God. Do you agree? That's coming out. There's this miracle thing that's being released and words of healing and salvation and all of that. We're going to need every bit of help we can get. And if you're going to freak out about anything that doesn't fit your box, we're going to have a problem. Do you hear me? We're going to have to be able to go, okay, God, I don't get this. Is this you? Yes. All right. And then we go. If it's not, then chase it away. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Just rebuke the thing if it's not. But if it's not leaving, then it's probably God. And then you probably need Him. You know? So I want to encourage you to say, we need to open up. We need all the help we can get. Right? And yes, Jesus did it all. Yes, the Holy Spirit is enough. But for some reason, the Father chooses to use the angelic as well. It's not my fault. I'm sorry. I didn't write the book. But it's in there. Now, there's funny stuff we believe. It's like people say you shouldn't speak to angels. Well, everybody in the Bible spoke to an angel. Hello? If, if that is true, we should take three quarters of the Bible out because all the guys we're reading about spoke to angels. You know? Imagine if John decided not to speak to the angel. Nope, I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to speak to angels. Oh, there goes the book of Revelation, John. We're going to give it to somebody else. <laughs> you see? We should open up and realize that the door is open. Revelation 4, I looked and I saw into heaven and I saw a door that is open and God said, come up here. It is already open. The invitation is already there for you to go into a different place with God, into a place where there's no limitations. You sh okay, let's go to the scripture. Go to Exodus 23. I'm going to get ahead of myself. All right? But I felt like, God wants to, there's like an impartation thing that God wants to do tonight. It's an empowerment thing. Listen, I have nothing to give you. Do you understand that? The Bible says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay? So you don't lack anything. Do you understand that? I need you to look at me. You don't need anything else. You have it. It has been given to you. Second Peter 1 says the same thing. Everything that you need for a godly life has been given to you. Do, do you understand that? But if you look at the word impartation, if you look at what happened with Moses, when God took off the spirit that was on Moses and he placed it on the 70 dudes, right? If you go and look at that scripture, the word put on, if you look at the Hebrew, it literally means that it's seed, right? Say seed. It is seed that is within you, that is under fallow ground, and it's broken open in that moment. That's impartation. 
So it's something that's already in you because of who God is, right? He did it on the cross. His spirit is in you. There's fullness in you, but it's under fallow ground, and it needs somebody just to break open the ground sometimes. So nobody's giving you anything. Somebody's just helping you to release what's already inside of you. Does that make sense? Right? Because we have to get the right understanding. You have what it takes to be a success in the kingdom of heaven. You have it. Right? It's already available. But let's go to the verses now. You're confusing me. Exodus 23. Remember we ended off here last week. We said no more miscarriage. Sickness will be removed from us. Remember? We spoke about all these promises of God. I want you to quickly look at verse 21, 29. Sorry. This is still God speaking to the people of Israel, and He says, I will not drive in, the enemies, out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate. I have the Amplified. It's written by a woman, by the way. Did you notice? Lots of words in there, like, right? That's how you know, all right? But I read it, though, which should tell you something about men. We need a lot of words, right? So, women, don't worry. You're awesome. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. The fact that you're here and not in prison means you, you succeeded, right? You didn't kill any kid. You're still here. Everybody's doing good, all right? So, thank you, all right? I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate for lack of attention and the wild beasts multiply against you, right? Because you have a promise, right? You have a prom You have a destiny that's in front of you. We're going to get to that, okay? But God makes this promise. He says, I'm, I'm going to take it slow with you. Isn't that awesome? Because He knows your capacity. He knows what you can handle right now. And if He should give everything to you at once, He's saying it's going to cause more problems than blessing. Did you hear that? That's called grace and wisdom. So sometimes God is the one that walls you in. Sometimes He's the one that says, whoa. For me, for instance, like I'm a visionary kind of an individual. So when I look at places, I just, I see stuff. I'm like, whoo, I see churches, thousands of them. And 100,000 souls, I'm like, ah, I don't know, that's enough. We need a million, right? I'm like, this thing needs to go faster. It's too slow, right? I'm always frustrated, literally. And people tell me, you need to, no, it's not about relaxing. It's because there's, Jeremiah speaks of fire in your bones. You see, but frustration needs to build to a certain place where your hunger starts rising up enough that you are willing to knock through into heaven and get the breakthrough that you need. Too many of us, we, we get a little bit of a setback or we, it's not going too fast and we give up. Giving up is never an option. The option is knocking harder, ask, seek, knock, and it shall be given unto you. See, so this is grace working in your life, and it's God testing you to see, are you willing to press in deeper? Are you willing to do more? Are you willing to go where no other man has gone before? Are you willing to lay down more of your life? But it's the wisdom of God that says, I'm going to wait, because the next verse says, 
Little by little, I will drive them out before you. Say, thank you, Jesus. Until, that's a big word, until you have increased and are numerous enough to take possession of the land. There it is. So what do we need? Increase. We need to multiply. We need to grow. There is a, a capacity inside of us to possess the promise of God that needs to be expanded. There is a weightiness that needs to come. And what I felt tonight, and I loved what happened in the worship, and, and stuff broke, and you could see it, you could feel it. Because my feeling is that, that, that for you guys, that it's like the wall has broken. And I want to declare it over you that it really is time for the increase. It is time for the multiplication thing to happen. Because little by little, you have been increasing. But I feel like, you know, you're like, uh, it's the weirdest picture, but you're like that foamy jelly stuff. And you've been building up, and it's really fat, right? And the wall's going to burst. And this thing is just going to... And I want to declare it over you. It really is time for the increase. It really is time to take in. Because the next verse, I'm not going to read all of it. It says, just the first line, it says, because I will set your borders. That's all I want to say. God will set the boundary. He's the only limit that we have as believers. Did you hear me? Your capacity to grow as an individual in the Lord. Your ceiling is God. I need you to think about that. The ceiling of your growth capacity in the Spirit is God. Nothing else. There's not a demon. There's not a spirit. It's God. So how deep can you go? How much growth potential is there in you? I had this experience years back. I didn't know there was a guy with the name Smith Wigglesworth then. It was the first time in my life I tried to fast. I was just born again in 2006. Ah, horrible past. Stupid decisions, you know. And um, finally got born again. And, uh, and now I heard about this fasting thing. And you can see it, right? <laughs> and um, so I saw it and... I, People have opinions about it. All I saw is I saw people doing it, and I saw Jesus say, if you don't do this, you're not going to get breakthrough in certain areas. So, I, you know, I'm not a theologian. I just read the Bible, and I thought that makes sense. So if he did it, if everybody in the Bible did it, then for some reason it would make sense for me to do that. Okay? So, so I decided I'm going to go on a full fast three days, first time ever, which is, you know, if you've never fasted, that sounds like nothing. But if you have fasted, then you're like, whoa. <laughs> like, start slow. Start with coffee, you know. Don't watch TV for a while. Just take it easy, man. And I'm like, no, no, we're going to get into this thing. So day two comes. And the evening of day two, we have a friend. Uh, the evening of day two, I go to sleep, and I start shaking in my bed. Not the good shaking, the bad shaking. And I literally felt like I'm going to die. 
Like, really, I, I ran to the bathroom. I'm sweating. I feel like I'm going to throw up. It's just the worst feeling in the world. And nobody taught me about fasting. I haven't read the book yet, right? So I'm almost dying and anything. But the afternoon, what happened? As I was sitting in my room, I remember it so vividly. And I, I sat on my knee, and I was just praying in tongues. Man, everything was so awesome. Do you remember how awesome it was when everything was still new to you? Do you remember? We should never lose that, by the way. The excitement of everything is fresh, like you pray in tongues, you know, and again, I, was, I wasn't smart enough to question it. I just knew I'm not that clever to make that weird a noise. I'm not a creative individual. So that weird sound coming out, I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Is this God speaking out of me? Whoa! People ask questions about these things. I'm just like, this is God speaking out of me. This is awesome. Why wouldn't I want to do that? <laughs> you know? So I'm doing that, praying in tongues, just going off. And the next moment, I see this picture where I start rising. And I start growing. And I grow out of my house. And I'm like 10, 20, 30 feet tall. And I've got muscles like the dream me, you know. I've got all of these things going. And God says to me, and He says, this is who you are. This is who you are. You see, let God draw your boundaries, not man, not your conception of who you are. But let God be the one that says, this is what I believe about you. Listen to me. If God lives inside of you, Colossians 2 says, the fullness of deity lived inside of him, Jesus, bodily. Right? The what? Fullness of godliness, of deity, walked in one little body called Jesus, and then it goes on, and it says, but you, if you have been baptized, the fullness, the same fullness dwells inside of you. Now think about that. If God is living inside of you, because that's what the Bible says, you are one with God. One. One. One with God. And if God holds creation in His hand, how big is your inside? How big are you really then? Who are you really then? Could that be why David went in Psalm 139 where he says that, I mean, it's so weird, David is so humble. <laughs> he writes the psalm, he looked at himself and he goes, God, all the works of your hands... And then he goes and he says, God, when you created me, you filled me with awe and wonder. There is nothing, listen to me, there is nothing in creation that compares to the beauty of what sits in front of me right now. He filled you with awe and wonder. I want you to think about that. Awe and wonder. It's like God looks at you and he goes, and he goes, wow. It's like the demonic world, when you get who you are, they look at you and they go, whoa. So let God set your boundaries. Let God be the one that draws the borders of your life. 
Not your opinion, not man's opinion, not your past hurt. None of those things matter. It doesn't matter. God's opinion is the only opinion that matters. And humility would be for you to bow before that and say, I accept and I receive what you say about me. I'm not going to resist even though I don't feel like it. Because many people in their own don't feel wonderful and filled with awe tonight. But you see, that's faith. That's faith is when I say, I'm going to believe what you say about me, even though I don't feel it. Because he is God after all. His opinion does matter. Yours is secondary. All right. Are you in Exodus 31 yet? I thought you would have been there. Exodus 31. Let's go on. Because here's the question now. How do you increase? How do you... What do I do to get this capacity to possess the land and to fill it so that the beasts of the field don't come and destroy what I'm building every time? How do I grow in the Lord? How do I set myself up before God so that I can do what He's called and asked me to do? That has to be the question, right? Because until you do what? Increase and multiply. You cannot possess the fullness. All right? So we need to increase and multiply. So there's these two guys. Let me tell you about them. And the Lord said to Moses... Verse 31, uh, chapter 31, verse 1. Are you there? It says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of so-and-so and so-and-so. Verse 3. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Listen to this. In wisdom and ability, in understanding and intelligence, and in knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship. To devise skillful works, to work in gold and silver and in bronze, and in cutting of stones for setting and carving of wood, to work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Verse 6, and behold, I have appointed with him Uhaliab, who will do the same. I need you to get something, right? There's a vision for your life. There's a place that God has prepared for you. Moses got this vision on the mountain, right? He saw what he was supposed to do. Some of us have seen what we're supposed to do. Some of us have no clue what we're supposed to do. Right? But the point is, last week I said that the main thing you should do is to possess the position of a son, because out of that flows authority. Out of that comes the understanding of who you are. And then you start doing what the Word says you're supposed to do, and it's really simple. But there's a craftsmanship, there's ability of the Holy Spirit that needs to come upon our lives. To help us to build what God showed us. To help us to do what the Lord has prepared for us so that we can step into something new. So we need what? The craftsmanship of the Holy Spirit. The ability to build spiritual things so that they manifest on the earth. Right? We don't want pie in the sky when we die. We want vision that manifests on the earth. We don't want to just talk, but we want to demonstrate the kingdom. We don't want to just have this dream of a massive business that blesses the nations and all of that. That's awesome. I'm excited with you and I mean it. But all of us are frustrated because it's not happening. And until we get filled with the Spirit and receive wisdom, ability, skill, intelligence, understanding, and knowledge of the things of God, the craftsmanship of the Holy Spirit, this thing is not going to go forward. You see, we need that. Say that with me. I need that. 
I need the craftsmanship of the Holy Spirit. Right? I want more of that in my life personally. I'm not satisfied. I'm not. You see, there's a place where we need to go where we say, God, we, we, we're seeing, we're so grateful, and it's never ungratefulness, but I want to go deeper. I want to go to a next place with you. There's an understanding that there's more. Man, there's more. I look at my own life and I think, man, it's boring. I'm serious. I'm thinking I'm grateful for what I have. It's awesome. It's wonderful. But I am absolutely convinced that there's a ton more ahead. And what I have now is nice, but, you know, I said to my wife before I came here, I said, honey, wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> you know, we, we joke about this stuff. Every trip I'm like... It would be awesome if I phone you and tell you I can't come home because we have extended meetings. But the real thing, wouldn't it be awesome if something breaks out tonight and it touches the nations? Wouldn't it be awesome if God starts moving, this craftsmanship, this ability comes into this place and we all look different? Wouldn't it be awesome if, if people start flying in from all over the world because there's healing taking place here. People are getting saved. Marriages are being restored. Something awesome starts happening in this place. Wouldn't that be awesome? You see, Maria Woodworth Ether, do you know her? Have you heard of her? Oh, boy, she was a revivalist lady. She was scary. Good news, she was a lady. Say, yay, Mother's Day. <laughs> right? Maria Whitworth Eter was an interesting lady, you know. What would happen with her is she would preach, and the next moment she would just go into a trance and freeze like a stone for seven days. Yeah. And then they had doctors come and test her, and, and like everything was working, but she couldn't move, she couldn't talk. It was like just this thing, right, just... I assume people left. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you do if that happens. If it happens, tell me afterwards, because, I mean, she's just like. And then after seven days, she would come out of it and just keep preaching where she left off. <laughs> but then, what would happen with her is an interesting phenomenon. Like, if she would preach here in a 50-kilometer radius from where she preached, People would get born again in their homes without TV. People would get healed in their homes. People would have encounters with God and with angels. They would see heaven and hell, and they would start giving their lives to the Lord. 50-kilometer radius. When I hear that, I go, I'm a little unsatisfied, particularly with where I am right now. You know what I mean? There's more. There's this ability of the Spirit that can build things. Nobody has seen what these guys have done. I mean, what they built hasn't been seen before. Some, and yet God came. I mean, how do you, you know, Moses communicated this. I want an ark. It looks like this and this and this. There's angels and, you know, all this detail. Because, I mean, God was giving detailed stuff. And these guys go and they put it down exactly, exactly according to what Moses saw on the mountain. How does that happen? How does that ability come to you in a moment where you just get it? Where suddenly the things of God just make sense. Suddenly the flow, the temple, the holiness of God, the whole thing that they built here is all about intimacy. When all of that suddenly starts making sense and a nation looks different because the Spirit of God came upon people that 
didn't get it, and suddenly they get it. Suddenly they increase enough to possess the land, to possess the promise that sits right in front of your life. That promise might be your marriage. That promise might be your finances, your business, the gifts of the Spirit, the flow of the Spirit, revival, whatever it might be. But you're sitting with promises and it's not happening. And God's saying, well, you need me. You see, but the real key is in their names. Bezalel means shadow of God. Uhaliab means tent of the Father. So I want you to get something about these two guys. The whole key for them was in living in the shadow of the Father. Living in the tent of their Father. It's intimacy. It's the seeking of God. They knew how to seek the Lord. They sought the face of God. And they were blessed with the craftsmanship of the Spirit. They were blessed with ability, with wisdom, with all these awesome things that everyone in this room needs. But it began with seeking the face of God. It began with living in the shadow of God. How close are you? How close are you to God? How hard are you seeking? I'm not speaking about going to heaven or not going to heaven. If you're not born again, we'll help you with that later. Listen to me. We need to get over our stuff, over our issues, over our reasoning and all of this. Get out of your head and get into God and go for it. What could be better? We need to seek the Lord. You know, this. Jesus prays in John 17. He says this thing. He says, we are one with God. I'm not going to read all the verses, but 21, 22, 23, 24, around about there. You are one with God. One. One. Listen to me. Yeah. There is no division between you and the Lord anymore. It's done. Colossians 1 says that he broke the offense. He broke the distance. You once were far off, but now through the body of Christ, you are reconciled to your Father. You have access to the Father as much as you want. How close do you want to be to Him? It's not His fault. It's not His fault if you feel far. He's never far. You are one with Him. How far can we feel when we are one? You know, we, we go into all this stuff of trying to find God. Listen to me. He's right here. He's not far. People are looking for out-of-body experiences. Dude, I'm not looking for out of them. I'm looking for in them. Right here, the kingdom is within. Soup. You don't need to go far. You're one with God. In that same passage, Jesus prays. He says, Father, I pray. It's the most awesome prayer. I love John 17. I want to cry every time I read it. It's just the most beautiful thing where Jesus prays for the disciples. And then he goes, and, and just one of the verses, he just says, And now I pray for everyone who will believe because of these 12. Oh, it's awesome. I wonder what kind of prayers he's praying over you. I have a friend, he has an awesome story. I'm just going to go very quickly. He says he's preaching, big, massive, thousands of people sitting in the room, and this guy is sitting right here in front, very famous prophet who died a couple of years ago. 
Strange guy, awesome guy, but strange. And my friend is preaching. He's going up and down. And man, he's, he's like on fire. This thing is good. And every time he walks by this guy who's his spiritual dad, the guy would kick him and he says, hey, hey, Jeff, Jeff. And he's like, thousands of people. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Bob. He's like, Jesus is praying for you. He's like, okay, all right, thank you. Know, what do you say? And he's just preaching. And then he walks again and the guy kicks him again. And he's like, yes, Bob. He's like, do you want to know what he's praying for you? And he's like, Anyway, so he goes, again, he kicks him again. He says, you know what Jesus is praying? And Jeff goes, tell me, Bob. He says, Jesus is praying that you will do better than he ever did. What a prayer. You know, Jesus wants you to succeed. He wants us to make this thing. But the question is, how close, how close are you going to go? Jesus pray in John 17, and he says, Father, it's this awesome prayer. He says, Father, I pray, listen to this, that they will see the glory. Say glory. Say that again. Yeah, it's an awesome word. That they will see the glory I had before the foundations of the earth. I want to ask you this thing, right? Before the foundations of the earth, before the fall, before this whole sin mess came into the world, how do you think was it to be around God? Pretty awesome. Just like it is now. But before the foundations of the earth, there was no sin. There was nothing that could come between you and the Lord. Absolutely nothing. It was perfect Perfect union. No distraction. Nothing to fight. Nothing to battle. Just you and the Father. And Jesus says, Father, may they all experience that now. You see, how close are we going to go? How far are we going to step into this thing? Are you going to be the guy that prays into the night? Are you going to be that guy that gets up earlier to seek the Lord? Are you going to be the guy that falls asleep in front of his Bible? Are you going to be the guy that tries at least? No, we're tired. I get it. I'm tired. We're tired. We're all tired. I get that. So let's move on. Congratulations. Let's keep going. I had three kids in three years. My quiet time used to be something like this. Bible in the ears. And yet, somehow it pleased him. He, he just wants us to try. And he'll do the rest. He'll add to it. And when you do that, the increase comes. Because your intimacy is equal to your authority on the earth. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. People say your works, it's got nothing to do with works. It's got to do with the fact that the door is absolutely open for you to go to your Father. You need to know your Father. You need identity. You need to understand what He thinks about you, what He believes about you, and you live it. There was this guy with the name Francis of Assisi. Have you heard of him? Very famous individual. Now, he lived in the, I think, 1700s, 1500s, actually. Am I right? 15, I think so. Earlier, all right. The point is there was no electricity. <laughs> so, they lived in this monastery, right? And uh, 
the guys that worked with him would walk past his room at night and they would see lights flashing in his room. They were like, what? You know, what's, what's going on with this guy? And then they would notice something else. Every night he would sneak up. There was a little mountain just behind the monastery and he would go and pray on the mountain, right? And he would go and sit on the mountain and he would pray and they would notice something. They noticed that when he prayed, that this massive light would start shining up from the mountain like a spotlight. Would just, But it's the 11th century, whatever, let's make it real... There was no electricity. That's the point. No flashlights. Right? Massive light starts lighting up this mountain when he prays. So they go, they are clever people. They go, well, what is it that he's praying? That should be the question that you want to know right now. Right? So they sneak out. Right? And they're going to sit nearby and, and they listen. You, you want to hear the prayer? This is what he prayed. He said, Father, who are you and who am I? Who are you and who am I? And the response caused that light started shining from this little mountain. Because in the revelation of who God is, you will find who you are. And you understand that, my goodness, you have the craftsmanship of the Spirit. It's available. You can change the world. You know, when we get this stuff, we're not afraid anymore. We start living differently. We actually believe that we can make a difference. You see, we, we've, you know, we did schools of supernatural and all these things, uh, you know, back in Pretoria. Loved it. It was awesome, you know. But the one thing that changed is identity, and people started believing that they can do something. That's all. People said it was about the gifts. No, I don't think it was about the gifts. It was about people started to believe that they can make a difference because God is for them. People started believing they have the ability to change. We don't have to be afraid of everything. But that we win. You know, we, we went to in, uh, Thailand. We took a team to Thailand a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't know what the time is. All right. Oh, okay. Ooh. I, I'm going to tell you the story because I want you to get something. Right? So we're in Thailand. We take a team. Uh, we're doing a school of supernatural. We have a group of 60 students from Thailand. So in Bangkok, and uh, they've got a pretty strong industry called prostitution. The worst kind, right? So we're in Bangkok, and we, we decide we're going to take these students, we're going to train them, and we're going to go right into the red light district every night. We're just going to do it, right? And uh, it made some people uncomfortable, including myself but for different reasons. It's a horrible place. It's the worst. I'm serious. It's the worst I've experienced in my life. It's just men who's women now and women who's men now and kids, and it's disgusting. And all sorts of tourists that's enjoying the scenery, and it's not nice. Do you get that that's a hostile environment? It doesn't feel like there's a lot of glory there. Unless you understand who you are. Unless you understand that you are light. And that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not ever overcome it. Never. It won't. But fear makes us back down. The fear that this thing is going to creep us out, that our soul is not strong enough or some demon is going to jump on us. or but Just that we can't do it. But you can. 
You can. You're a son of God. You, you've got the craftsmanship and the ability of the Spirit. So we're sitting there. We're getting zero breakthrough. Zero. We're trying to approach the ladies or the men, ladies, whatever they are, on the street, trying to engage with conversation and, and just to, you know, nothing's working. The next moment we start praying and we go, we need to go into the bars. We're like, what? Yep, the Holy Spirit said that. We're like, dude, that's awesome. Luckily, the team, we're like, yep, I'm fine with it. Let's do it. We're like, no, 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 you can't go in there. I'm like, yep, we can. And we will. Because <laughs> they're not coming to me. So then I need to go and find them, right? Isn't that what Jesus did? God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son. He sent them into this world, which was hostile towards him. So say, thank you that you did come, Jesus. Thank you that you were willing to get over your religion, not that he had any, but that he came into a dirty place. Half of the church don't think like that. Do you hear me? We're like, no, no, we can't go there. It's, no, you should go there. Right? Anyway, so we go and sit in the bars. We order a Coke. Drink our Cokes. And imagine what happens next. The ladies, they come to us. It's so much easier. So now they're sitting next to us. And firstly, it's like, I love you. No, no I don't. You don't. You don't know me. <laughs> and it's awkward. It is awkward. But suddenly we would sit with them and God would start unfolding their lives to us. The craftsmanship of the Spirit. Do you understand? The ability of the Spirit. The intelligence of the Spirit. The knowledge of the Spirit of God. So suddenly we would start speaking to these girls. I, the, the one girl, I would never forget, man, I would cry so much over those couple of days. The one girl, I, I start talking to her, I'm like, and God just shows me the thing, one thing after the other. I'm like, listen, honey, they, they want you to change your body, don't they? She's like, yeah, she just cracks. I'm like, you throw up every day. God shows me, you throw up every day before you come to work. Breaks. I'm like, you actually have a praying mom. Breaks. And she's broken. I'm like, but you actually have this dream about business. She lights up. She's like, how do you know this? I'm like, well, there's the Spirit of God that is in me. I am one with God. I carry the glory of God. And what you are feeling is the glory and the presence of God. Do you like it? She's like, yes. So you can have it every day. That was so awesome. You see, we need this. We need this. We need wisdom. I, I need about five minutes more. We need wisdom in East London. One of the keys here is wisdom. I had a strong encounter about uh, a year ago. Long story short, it's a bizarre story. I'm not going to share the details of it, but the point is this. There's this release, this golden rod with a red ruby at the tip of it, and this, this thing is pressed against my chest. And I'm like freaking out there in my office. I'm going, what's going on? And I hear, and I hear the Spirit of the Lord say to me, this is prophetic wisdom for a season of extremes that's coming. I'm like, what? And God said, yes, there's a prophetic thing that's flowing, but wisdom needs to connect because wisdom builds the house. Wisdom builds the house. Wisdom will take this thing forward. Wisdom is what you need to fix your family. Wisdom is what you need to do all these things. Go and read the benefits of wisdom in Proverbs. It's amazing. Wisdom is awesome. 
we need wisdom in our lives. Wisdom adds length of days. It adds riches and honor to your life. Wisdom creates. I want you to hear that, Proverbs 8. Wisdom created with God in the beginning. We want creative miracles, am I right? Wisdom. The spirit of wisdom is the key that's going to bring this stuff. Wisdom releases creativity over a city that needs financial breakthrough. Over a province that needs financial breakthrough. Wisdom is the key that's going to do it. It's part of the craftsmanship of the spirit. It's part of the ability of the spirit of God to come into a city. To come into our lives so that we will build according to the pattern of God. That it will look like God destined so that revival can move and keep on moving. We don't want extended meetings for two days or a year or five years. We want a move of God that will last for generations. And wisdom is what's going to take it there. But we need to start crying out and say, God, I need wisdom. You see, what wisdom does, it's amazing. If you look at the symbols behind the word, it says wisdom receives revelation with an open hand, by the way. So it's in submission that I receive revelation that calms the stormy waters in life. That's wisdom. It's revelation that brings order over the chaos of your life, over the chaos of the world. Isn't that what God did in Genesis 1? And the world was empty and void, chaotic, without form. And God spoke. And what happened? Order came. You see, it's when you speak out of this place of intimacy, when you flow out of this place and you start receiving from God, and now you release the word of the Lord, but suddenly things is different and there's a shaking in the heavens, there's a shaking on the earth, and things actually happen. It's not name it and claim it, but it's oneness with God. Oneness with God. And now I release the word of the Lord and things look different. Do you understand? There's a release of prophetic wisdom that God wants to do tonight that's going to empower you to go forward, to increase and to take the land. That's what I want to see. And with it, signs, wonders, miracles, gifts, awesome, whatever God wants to do. I don't care. But I know this is a key. This is a key, right? But intimacy is the thing. You know, I'm amazed when I look at East London and I see all the worship movements going on in the city. That's awesome. There's a key in the city regarding intimacy that we need to step into and we need to run with it like never before. There's something that needs to unlock in your personal life on the level of intimacy with God. There's a next level available. Our prayer life, our life in the Word, our life in just soaking before the Lord, not having an agenda, just relaxing, enjoying God. Because in this is the breakthrough. Everybody wants the breakthrough, but the price is in the inner room. The price is in the inner room. The reward is Christ. It's not the breakthrough, by the way. He is your breakthrough. The reward is Him. It's to find Him. It's to touch the hem of His garment and to, to become like Him. You see, how far... I'm serious, how far are we willing to go? 
How deep are you willing to jump into this thing and say, God, I'm going to go for it? You say, yeah, but I've tried. I know. Keep going. Draw near to me and I will. I will draw near to you. Let go of the excuses and let's go for this thing. Right? The other day I'm standing in Somerset West. I'm going to finish. I want you to get something. The craftsmanship of the Spirit is not that you get smart. Necessarily. <laughs> I'm standing in Somerset West about a year or so ago. This lady comes in the service. This is the last story, I promise. I want you to just see something. So this lady comes into the meeting. It's the last service, Sunday morning. It's a little bit tight for Sunday morning, but, but God is moving. It's awesome. So this lady comes, she stands there, she's got a disability, mental disability, and she's got a withered, like, hand like this, right? Like, gone. Arthritis, the whole thing. So I'm over here, she's over there, I'm seeing people pray for her, and I'm like, ooh, I see her, and I'm just like, it doesn't always happen like that, but I just, I have faith. Like, I look at her, and I'm like, this is going to happen. It's almost like with your brother here. And I just felt it. I just, this is going to happen. So I step over to her and I just start praying for her. I, I say, all right, come. Come on now. Let's go. So we pray, we pray. Nothing happens. The next moment I take her hand, this hand, and I say, come on, we're going to worship Jesus now. She's the sweetest thing. Right? We're going to worship Jesus now. And she says, okay. And I take her finger like this and I pull it into there. And as I pull it, it goes straight. I am freaking out. I'm like, wow, Jesus. Jesus. Then she stops and it pulls back. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, no. We, we're worshiping Jesus now. Come on. We pull it up. It goes. We do it three times like that. And the third time she takes it down, she looks at her hand, and she, you should have seen her face. The next morning I get a message. The first time in 55 years she could wash her hand open under a tap. Isn't that awesome? But I want you to get something. That, that, that function there has got absolutely everything to do with the Spirit of God. It's the craftsmanship of the Spirit. It's the power. It's the wisdom. It's His ability that works for you in the stupidest of ways. And this thing happens. That's what we want, right? That's what we want. You see, and what was awesome about it is her healing was in what? In the worship. It's in the worship. You know, often people pray for the sick. Sometimes I don't. I just start worshiping. I will sit in the room, the worst conditions in front of me. There was a lady. Ah, I can't remember what it was, but it was bad. Long ago, Pretoria, Route 21, Office Park. I just can't remember the condition. It was really bad. She would have died, basically. No help, medical help. So we sit there, the mom is telling the story. She's losing it, right? Fair, fairly so. I don't pray for the sick. I just sat there and I start worshiping. Jesus, you're awesome. Lord, I bless you right now. Lord, we give honor to you. We worship you. We adore you, Lord. And we're going into the shadow of my Father. We're going into the tent of my Father. And suddenly I'm one with God. And the glory is there, by the way. It's not something. It's one. Being one with God is the glory. right? And the glory is there. And at the end of the day, I released a five-second sentence. In Jesus' name, be healed. And I left. 
she's healed. We didn't fight, we didn't bind demons, we worship the Lord, and suddenly the disability goes, right? How deep do you want to go? How, prior, how do you prioritize this thing of worship and intimacy with God regarding the outflow that you want in your life? Because that is everything. It is everything. This release tonight, it's going to happen. I can feel it. I know it in the name of Jesus. But it's going to rely on what you do tomorrow with it and the day after. I can excite you tonight with miracle stories and we can keep going. It's useless unless you get in the inner room. Shut the door, pray. Seek God. Your hunger must frustrate you. Do you hear me? Then you're at the right place.